The Grazadio School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Hello and welcome. My name is Rick Gibson, and I'm the Associate Vice President for Public Affairs here at Pepperdine University. And I'm joined today by Dr. Linda Livingstone, who is the Dean of the Grazadio School of Business and Management. Welcome, Linda. Well, it's good to be here today, Rick. Well, it's hard to believe, but we are at the end of uh, this season. It has been a tremendous uh, Dean's Executive Leadership Series. It has been, and all the way from starting with Caroline Nahas to ending with John Figaro, we have had a, an amazing lineup of speakers, a lot of diversity in, in thought, and certainly diversity of industries represented. So a certainly, great year. Certainly. Well, tell us about your guest today. Well, we have John Figaro with us, who is president of U.S. Pharmaceuticals for McKesson Corporation. McKesson is the leading pharmaceutical distributor in the country and the second largest company based in California. And to add to that, John is an alum, and we honored him as a distinguished alum a, a right. few graduations ago. That's so right. it's, a, it's a fascinating conversation. Well, we really look forward to your conversation with John Figueroa. Well, today for our Dean's Executive Leadership Series, we have with us John Figueroa, who is the president of McKesson Pharmaceuticals. And John, we're glad to have you with us. You're an alum, and so it's a treat to have one of our alums doing our Dean's Executive Leadership Series. Well, thank you for uh, allowing me to do it. I'm certainly honored and uh, excited to be here today. Why don't we start by having you give our audience a little bit of your background and maybe tell a little bit of your story about how you got to where you are at McKesson and maybe how your experience in our MBA program kind of mm-hmm. influenced that path? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a uh, Southern California native, uh, and as such, I did my undergraduate work at uh, UCLA and was a liberal arts major mm-hmm. in political science and uh, English literature. After I received my degree, I went into the military as an officer, and I served for four years on active duty. And after coming back home, I... Uh, took a job with Baxter Healthcare where I worked for seven years in a number of roles in sales and operations. And uh, at that point, uh, that's when I decided to go to graduate school and hone in on my business skills. I had a great liberal arts education, but certainly the fundamentals of business was key to, uh, I think, future success. And that's when I chose Pepperdine and I received my MBA. And since then, joined McKesson. And I've been with McKesson for about 13 years now in a number of positions. And currently the president of the largest division within McKesson Corporation. So given what you're doing, and, and that division is at $89 billion of... About $90 billion $90 billion? Dollars? Yes. Moving up, that's good in this economy to have that happen. Yeah. What on a kind of a... Clearly you do a lot of strategic work in that position, but what really takes the most of your time in the work that you're doing at McKesson? Yeah, I, I think it's anticipating the change of the industry. I mean, I think when you look at healthcare, it's a it's a dynamic industry and, and changes rapidly. And uh, it's not just internal change, but certainly there's a lot of external influence when you look at what's gone on over the last 18 months with the federal government debating everything about health care. It certainly changes because of public policy, technology. Uh, there are a number of innovations that take place that you have to react to. I personally 
like to spend my time figuring out how to set the trend and have other people react to whatever it is that McKesson is doing. I think that's been the key to our success and certainly uh, how you keep your competition at bay. If you can continue to innovate, do things differently, and delight your customers in ways that nobody else has done in the past. Healthcare is also a very cost-oriented business. So you have to have a great cost advantage, but I think what I have looked for in our business, and again, what I like to spend time doing, is determining what the value-add proposition is. And if I can provide value to a customer, then we don't have to talk about price anymore. We can begin to talk about the total value of our relationship or partnership, and and uh, that's what I like to focus on. That's the fun part. Obviously, the other parts of running a large business is the leadership aspect of it and managing thousands of employees and keeping them motivated and working towards the goal that we all need to achieve to be successful. So you mentioned innovations. Give an example of of something that you've done at McKesson that you really think did sort of set the stage and caused everybody else to have to follow, something innovative and new that's been significant in that industry. Yeah, about four years ago, we started to see our independent pharmacy segment decline very rapidly. Well, the large chains were continuing to grow. Uh, the, the, the Walgreens of, of the world continued to build very, very quickly, and the independent mom-and-pop store was beginning to decline. They were either closing their door because they couldn't compete or they were selling off to the large chains. Net result was uh, it was very difficult for them to stay in business. When I looked at uh, that segment and I looked at the health of that segment to my business, we knew we had to do something different. So we started a franchise program where we would start a franchise by the name of Health Mart, and we would brand this with the independent. So, for example, if it was Linda's Pharmacy, we would change it to Linda's Health Mart Pharmacy. And so you fast forward four years, and we have over 2,600 franchisees uh, who are using the Health Mart brand. In fact, we recently had a commercial in the Super Bowl. So oh, McKesson's pretty cool. 177-year <laughs> history as a corporation, and that's the very first commercial we have ever done. It was very well-received and very good. But what we did was we basically took all the back office operations at McKesson. We negotiate the price mm-hmm. points for them. We negotiate and determine what type of generic pharmaceuticals they should purchase and, and from us and sell to the consumers. Front store merchandise, over-the-counter merchandise. We buy all that stuff for for them. We do the formulary for them. We do the computer systems for them. So basically, we are the back office operation, which allows them to compete with large chains. And as a result, what we have seen is actually an increase at McKesson of independent pharmacies who began to uh, utilize our services. And the health of the independent is extremely strong today compared to what it was four years ago. So I think that's an aspect of the leadership of this team that figured out that there was a problem. It was a problem that wasn't, that was bad for the customer and certainly bad for us. And we led the way in changing how business was done. And I'm pretty proud of, of the success we've had there. So McKesson's a huge corporation, and yet you try to maintain uh, an innovative approach to doing things. And it sometimes seems that that can be easier in a smaller company where there's not as much that has to be changed to bring about new innovation. So how do you, in a company this large and that's a worldwide company, continue to innovate and to be able to do it in a timely fashion in an industry that's changing very rapidly? I think there's a couple of things. I, I think you have to recruit the best in the business, and I think... When I look at all the different departments or businesses at McKesson, 
I wouldn't train any of the leaders of those businesses for any uh, anybody else in the industry who they compete with on a day-to-day basis. And I know everybody in the industry, and I'm always asking myself, who who's the best? And if somebody else is better than the person I have running a business, then I know that there has to be an extensive development plan mm-hmm. for that person to get to the level that he needs to right. be or she needs to be to be successful. So first and foremost, I think it's making sure that we have that type of, of talent. When you have that type of talent, I think the second piece, which is difficult for a lot of leaders to do, is to give them the autonomy to run their business. And I've uh, always said that you can run your business, you can do what you need to do to be successful. It doesn't mean I'm not going to inspect and I'm not going to look to make sure that things are being done the way that I want them to be done or the right way. So there's a lot of communication between me and the other business leaders, and we're always looking for how we can be better. So you've mentioned a couple of times in our conversation about how important the people are and how important creating the right environment is for those people, for the organization to be successful. Talk a little bit about maybe formative experiences in your development that have helped form you as a leader, Mm -hmm. that sort of influence who you are and how you think about how you lead the people that work with you now. I think there are a couple of things. I think I learned an awful lot about leadership when I was in the military. I think there are some core concepts in the military that apply to business very, very well, and and I think the one that I rely on all the time is to always lead by example. Being an officer in the military or a senior manager or executive in a business, all eyes are on you, and uh, you set the tone on what you do day in and day out, how you conduct your business, and if you lead by example, you know, my experience has been that 90% of the time your your team will emulate uh, what you're doing, and I think that's extremely uh, important. And I think the second piece of that, which uh, is why I chose Pepperdine as the school that I wanted to attend for my graduate degree, was you have to be values-based. I mean, I think integrity always comes to mind. Uh, I mean, the minute you lose integrity with your people, your customers, or anybody that you know, it's something that you can never get back. It's something that I, I try to tell my employees as well as my kids. I mean, I think that's what you have to, to strive to do and you have to, to live by as a leader. And when others break that line, you have to deal with it. And I think that's perhaps the third thing as a leader that you have to do, which isn't always easy. You have to confront issues. You have to confront the prob- problems that are presented on a regular basis. And you have to deal with them quickly and fairly. I think you know leaders that I have seen fail or not achieve full potential are sometimes those leaders who are reluctant to deal with those issues. So I think you know, those are the things that I've learned in my career and, and I think things that uh, everybody should look at pretty closely. So you mentioned our MBA program and the, the values component of that. You mentioned integrity as one of those values that is the core to who you are. Are there others that really inform the choices you make in the organization every day and how you lead other values beyond integrity that you think are critical? Well, I think you can define any any value and it'll come back to integrity, in in, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. I think there are a lot of characteristics, such as uh, hard work. It's the concept of doing what's right. Uh, You know, no matter what it is or what the task is, you know the old saying that it's really easy to do the right thing when people are looking at you. It's extremely difficult and tells a lot about your character and what you do when you're all by yourself. Mm -hmm. And in business, there are certainly a number of opportunities 
where you're looking at gray areas. You know, it isn't specifically in the contract, Mm -hmm. but you knew exactly what the customer intended when he signed that contract. Now, when things aren't going as well between the two partners, you could always go back and say, this is what was in the contract. Mm -hmm. But integrity to me means walking to that customer's office and explaining what the situation is and coming to resolution based on what you both intended to accomplish. I think an example like that is something that people, there are no shortcuts. And the minute you take a shortcut, you'll lose in the end. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I think every characteristic comes down to, uh, to integrity. I think there's an ethical requirement as a leader, not only expected from the government because of all the rules and regulations, but certainly peers and family members and everybody that uh, you interact with. Uh, it's pretty easy to get up in the morning when you know you've done your best and you've tried to do everything right. I think it's difficult to go to bed at night if, uh, if you're not conducting business that way. Healthcare is one of the areas in the economy right now that continues to hire, and there's certainly the sense that it will continue to grow in importance, even though it may look different in the years ahead. So I would certainly anticipate that some of the folks listening to this uh, podcast might have interest in transitioning into healthcare at some point. So given your experience, are there key qualities or key skills they would need to develop that might be unique to what's going on in healthcare beyond other industries? What kind of advice might you give mm-hmm. someone that wants to transition to, into the healthcare industry? Well, first, I would say that healthcare is a great industry to go into, and certainly one that if you're excited about helping people, it is the right industry. And, you know, we like to say at McKesson that no matter where you're at in healthcare, you have the potential to save lives mm-hmm. or the exact opposite of that. Uh, and, and in our business, it's extremely important to us that we get the right medication to the right patient at the right time. And if you don't do that, it could be devastating. And when you do, you actually can have some impact in, in healthcare. So I think one of the things that I would look for, number one, I think it's wonderful to come into healthcare because of economics. All of, those, okay. all of you who have taken your uh, economics class at, uh, at Pepperdine, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's the basic supply and demand. And within healthcare, the demand is heavy and will continue to be heavy. And with all the changes that have recently taken place with our government, demand is going to increase. So if there's a demand for your product and your services, then you're going to have to come up with the supply. And if you can do that, your business is going to be good. So it is the right industry to go into. The supply and the demand is large. But I would tell you, you need to come in with a sense of compassion. It's an industry that can get you pretty excited when you understand exactly what, how you impact healthcare. And, and if you have that compassion, you have that excitement about helping others, it is a very fun industry to be in. You have to be innovative. I mean, I talked earlier uh, about the fact that uh, if you're not a couple of steps ahead of your competitor, you're going to lose. And it moves very, very quickly. I mean, the patents that happen in this industry, you come up with a great idea and you check uh, the patent office and three people have already come up with it before you did. You have to be innovative. You have to constantly be thinking. It is a global industry. What's going on in other places certainly affects us. We, uh, we buy a number of our generic pharmaceuticals today from India, and China's becoming a, a very large market. So you have to not only think strategically and innovatively about what's happening in the United States, but uh, it is a global industry as well. As you think about what's going to happen in the years ahead in healthcare, particularly as some of these changes come into play from the legislation that was passed recently, are there any particular segments in healthcare that are going to be 
more interesting for people coming out of business school, or is it just going to be an across-the-board, whether you're in insurance or pharmaceuticals <clears throat> or at a hospital? Mm-hmm. or I mean, do you see particular buckets where there might be more opportunity than others? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a great question and, and one that I haven't thought of too often other than probably areas that I'm concerned about. So I'll start, right. I'll start there, <laughs> and, then, and, then I'll, start. and I'll look to other areas that, that I think are, are opportunity. I am extremely concerned about the need for medical doctors mm-hmm. in, in our country. Sure. I think we have a shortage today, and I, I believe with the demand that will be placed on our country over the next couple of years. Well, um, certainly if everybody who doesn't See, get medical care now. Correct. Can get right. it has access to some form of insurance. It, then there certainly will increase it, the demand exactly. dramatically. And you look at the compensation for doctors today, and it continues to decline mm-hmm. year over year. And I think it's going to continue. So I'm concerned about the healthcare provider. Right. Now, when you look at those type of things, there's some opportunity to that. So. If we're not going to have enough MDs to take care of our population, then you have to change the delivery of care. You need to do some things differently. Nurse practitioners, for example, are getting more and more responsibility. Pharmacists, we are giving them the technology and the ability to do more than they've ever done before. Vaccinations, for example, you can get that at a pharmacy today. Five years ago, that was unheard of. So the delivery of care is changing as you look at that. The second thing that I'm concerned about is the reimbursement schedules that are changing. Mm-hmm. There are a number of folks, and you know, the government has gone from being a payer of 20% of our medical costs to most recently with Medi- Medicare Part D, 50 to 60% of our country's medical costs. And then with the new law, very soon, uh, that's going to grow potentially to be 100% at some point. When you have the government taking on such a responsibility, one of the first reactions is to evaluate all reimbursements throughout the supply chain. So I mentioned the fact that doctors' salaries may be coming down. I get very concerned about potential reimbursement changes around medication, um, especially in areas like long-term care and nursing homes where the margins are already so low that potentially uh, that could change and, again, affect the quality of health care that we have in our country today. So those are some of the things that I worry about. Fast forward to where I think there is tremendous opportunity. I do think nursing and nursing management will be an opportunity in the future. I think pharmacists who have been in such high demand over the last couple of years, we're opening up pharmacy schools in this country faster, I think, than any other school uh, in academia. And it's warranted because I think pharmacists are changing their role rapidly from counting pills mm-hmm. behind the counter to actually administering health care mm-hmm. to patients as they walk into their store. So I think there's tremendous opportunity there. From a business perspective, I think the medical device industry is an industry that is growing so rapidly. I've been introduced to a number of of imaging technologies since McKesson bought an imaging company a few years ago. And the technology is unbelievable. I mean, you could be a specialist today, a brain surgeon, for example, and if you are on vacation in Tahiti, you can pull up a handheld device. They can send you the x-ray and you can actually hone in on your handheld device to find the exact spot that the technology tells you where something's wrong. And you can confirm that mm-hmm. thousands of miles away on your handheld device. And that type of technology in any area of technology within healthcare, I think, is extremely exciting and will have tremendous opportunity. Because as the government reduces costs, they also are looking for solutions right. 
that will increase quality and lower cost, and, and that is going to come through with technology. So anybody who's getting into the field who has a technology or information system background, I think you have a tremendous upside in, in this industry. Well, that's insightful, and uh, it's good to know there are some industries where there's going to be growth and lots of opportunities for folks that have an interest in that and have the right kind of background and training. So not happening in all of the industries no, right I, now, I for sure. That, I think that's true. <laughs> Let me close with this question. As you sort of reflect on, and you've got many more years of your career ahead of you, but at some point when you get to the end of that career and you look back, what would you like for your legacy to be as a leader of the organizations that you've been a part of? Wow, another great question. <laughs> I guess I look at that every day uh-huh. somewhat. I do appreciate that you're giving me many more years in business. I'm excited about that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I like to come to the office every day and think, hey, today could be my last day. Mm -hmm. And if today is my last day, what would I look back and say I've accomplished or I'm excited about? I think first and foremost, and it actually was an executive leadership speech that I heard many years ago, and it was the CEO of Johnson & Johnson, as a matter of fact. And he got up on stage, and they asked him that same question. And his answer, which is the right answer, is, I have developed more leaders and more people in my industry and business than I ever imagined I would when I started this. And that's my legacy. When I pick up the paper or when I look at how companies are doing or people that have worked with me and how successful they have become, because of that interaction, there's no greater gift to give if you're going to call yourself a leader. And I would hope that if it ended tomorrow or if it ended next year, that people that I have worked with would say, I learned an awful lot when I was with John, and I owe a lot to him based on some of those learnings and interactions that I had. If that happened, I would be extremely excited. Well, and you should be. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us. We are quite proud of you as an alum of uh, Pepperdine and the Grazia Dia School, and we wish you great success in those many more years that you have ahead of you. Well, thank you so much. That was a great interview with John and uh, a lot for uh, Pepperdine to be proud of. Well, we are very proud of John and what he's doing. He's a a wonderful representative of the university and is certainly doing amazing things at McKesson uh, as they sort of deal with all that's going on in the healthcare industry and the pharmaceutical industry. Well, congratulations on uh, putting together just a a tremendous series, and uh, we look forward to uh, what next year's uh, Dean's Executive Leadership Series will bring. Let me invite our uh, listeners to visit us online at bschool.pepperdine.edu slash DELS, that's D-E-L-S, to learn more about the Dean's Executive Leadership Series, not just this year, but years past, and to look forward to what's coming ahead. You can also find us online at iTunes U or on YouTube. Until next year, thanks for listening. In a tough economy, investing in yourself is one of the best investments you can make. And an education is something that can never be repossessed, foreclosed upon, or lose its value. That's why now is the perfect time to earn your master's in business from Pepperdine University. Because Pepperdine's exceptional MBA programs are built around real-world curriculum, not just theory. So you'll gain knowledge that can be applied immediately on the job, increasing your value in the workplace. During the past century, our country has survived over a dozen recessions. The economy will eventually turn around, and when it does, you'll be ahead with a degree from Pepperdine.
You'll also have access to Pepperdine's extensive alumni network, career development opportunities, and employment resources. Visit bschool.pepperdine.edu today. Pepperdine University's prestigious Grazio Dio School of Business and Management.